Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I am here today uh, on the podcast with Julia Beltron, who's the partnership specialist for Double the Donation. We're thrilled to have her here today because we know, and I know through my role uh, as leader of global social responsibility at Blackboard, how important corporate philanthropy is. And, and that's our topic today, what social good organizations need to know about corporate philanthropy. So welcome to all of our SG Engage podcast listeners, and welcome to Julia to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. So we are thrilled to have you here um, for this conversation. And what I'd love to do as we kick things off, uh, you know, we have this audience that's listening to us that are all in the world of social good. So they could be fundraisers, they could be uh, program people at nonprofits, they could be work at foundations, they could work at a company like I do, um, or they could just be someone who's interested in social good. So first tell us before we dive in to talk to that audience, who are you and what do you do at Double Your Donation? Double the donation. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on the partnerships team here at Double the Donation. So that just means I work with different fundraising platforms to make sure that a variety of different fundraisers have access to matching gift resources, matching gift researches, research solutions, um, really all kinds of different things through different partnerships with fundraising software companies. Um, and so at Double the Donation, we actually, our primary focus is creating matching gift automation software. And so that just means helping fundraisers reach their donors, provide them with the correct matching gift steps, um, educate them about doubling their donations and really driving revenue through that avenue. That's awesome. So I love matching gifts, which I'm sure we'll get to. I think it's a wonderful thing. And and you're calling in, I think, from Atlanta, Georgia. Is that right? Yes, we are based over here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm slightly above you over to the right in Charleston, South Carolina. And I know we have listeners that are all over the place, probably all over the world. So so let's jump into it. So corporate philanthropy, what are the common types of corporate philanthropy that you see out there? Yeah, so there's really a lot of different types of corporate philanthropy. I would say the most common one that we see are, of course, matching gifts, but there's also different volunteer grant programs. There's corporate volunteerism, um, which is like dedicating a select amount of time or, or resources to enable your employees to volunteer. So it really can vary from company to company, just kind of depending on what sort of initiatives that they decide to push out. But matching gifts is the most common, and that just being, of course, matching the contributions that different employees make to a variety of different causes. Yeah, so it can be kind of confusing for people in the, the outside world to understand how companies give back. It's kind of like this mystery to them. But but it really, I kind of think of it as in two different buckets. They're the things that we do as a company, like the things that BlackBot does directly. We just announced a, a six-figure gift yesterday, and that's something that we were doing as a company to give back to the world, to the community. Um, and then there are things that we do to do what I call engaging our people as agents of good. And so I kind of refer to the corporate philanthropy portfolio as a mixed portfolio where the things the company does, the things that we help employees do. And the employee side for us is all about them and choice and engagement. And the company side is, is more specifically um, investing in you know, causes and efforts and partnerships that, that we think are, are the ones that match, uh, that are the best for us. 
So you're talking more about that employee side, right? Like engaging people as agents of good, um, kind of through your company to go out and do good things in the world. Yeah, of course. That's a great way to conceptualize it. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, that's primarily what I'm thinking of here is how do you kind of enable your employees to do good things in the world? Yeah. And I assume you see this. I assume you see that employees really want that. Like, so I've been in the business world for for quite some time now. I'm not going to tell you exactly how long, (laughs) but um, I can tell you that when I walked in the door, that's although Blackwood, you know, has always had this giving philosophy, the world just wasn't quite engineered around people bringing their whole selves to work. And we obviously were not bringing cell phones yet. And so we didn't have, and we didn't have social media yet. So we didn't have these ways to inherently express ourselves that were, that are now at our fingertips. But now that's really important today. Like I assume you see working with different companies that the employees really want to um, have a voice. I call it voice and choice, but a voice in what they do and who they support. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, you brought up like different people having cell phones and having a voice, but that also kind of gives a lens into what different companies' values are. Like it's more common than ever that you might follow, you know, big corporations on Twitter, on Instagram and kind of see what type of stuff they're putting out there, see what they do for their employees. And so knowing that people have these sort of like social good programs, um, you know, if someone's trying to work for a different large corporation, that's definitely something I think they consider um, as they imagine their company's values and culture there. Yeah. And I know I'm going a little bit off track, but bear with me for a second that, that, you know, growing up, you know, that you would go to a store to buy certain products and the only way you could access or engage with the products was at the grocery store, at the corner store, like for example, Doritos, like it was a product. It's, it's a, it's a product of a larger company, but now, you know, the, the company that owns Doritos has done incredible work. Like think about the Super Bowl ads and, mm-hmm. and, and sourcing, um, advertisements that, that, users of their products, people who eat Doritos, submit. And so there's a way to engage directly with that brand. In addition to just eating the product, you can actually engage with them in a way that you never would have been able to before, because you literally could only engage with them when you walked into the store and you bought them versus it. It's really interesting how that, how the world has changed and how people form identity associations. I'm having a little bit of a Doritos moment recently. I don't know if you're my age. (laughs) If you go to the grocery store right now, I literally stopped in my tracks with my son who's 21 next to me saying, oh my God, the Doritos package looks like it did when it first came out. So they've got, they've done like a retro look and it's, Uh it's, it's very shocking for people of my age and in a, in a fun way. Anyway, I I digress. So (laughs) We're going to go back to uh, matching gifts. So we talked about this mixed portfolio, about the things that you can do on the company side, volunteerism, dollars for doers, if companies give, if you volunteer somewhere. But matching gifts are one of my favorite things. So I believe your firm has done some research on matching gifts and you've got some data. So, So what do we know about it? Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of different data points on matching gift companies. So some of kind of our our common ones we see here is that over 65% of Fortune 500 companies offer matching gift programs. So quite a lot. Um, And of course, that just kind of encompasses the big Fortune 500 companies, right? You can also imagine smaller organizations offering these programs. Um, And that leaves millions and millions of individuals qualifying to double donations to these programs. So we estimate it's now at about 20 million Um, people work for companies with matching gift programs. And so because of that, we see billions and billions of dollars being donated through these programs each year. I believe it's like two to $3 billion that come through that funnel to different fundraising 
nonprofits and educational institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. And and we are a small, we're a mid-sized company. We have 3,300 employees and a mid-sized company. And we started our matching gift program, gosh, I want to say eight or nine years ago. And part of it was getting to the size where we had a system to use to actually, because you do need some technology here to help. How do you allow an employee to request a match and then the company has to match the gift that the, the employee has made. And so there's a little bit of technology behind that that's right. that's really important. But I love this program because it allows people to, well, in some cases, it allows people to choose what they're giving to. And I say in some cases, just because there are parameters that companies have, right? Like, so I assume you see yeah. that some companies really say, let's do matching gifts aimed at the giving priorities we have mm-hmm. or... And so they'll have rules around what you can match and what you can't. Um, in our case, we matched everything except working on behalf of a political candidate. And we've actually found that that means a lot of people use the match mm-hmm. because it's there's there's true choice. There's they can do pretty much anything that they want. Are you what are you seeing in terms of how much how much are people really engaging in this more and more? Yeah, so I think that people do engage in matching gift programs, but they don't nearly engage as much as they could. So I know I mentioned, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of money offered through matching gift programs. You know, a ton of corporations are offering that a lot of times the cap they have, like the limit on the amount that they'll match is very high, like tens of thousands of dollars every single year. Um, But we still see that, you know, donors don't always act on their matching gift program, I think primarily because of a lack of awareness. So even though we see a lot of people participating in these programs, once they are aware of matching gift programs, we still see... Um, I believe it's close to 80% of match eligible donors don't even know that their company has a matching gift program. So I would be so sad if you surveyed the people of Blackboard and they said, we don't know we have a matching gift program because I talk about it all the time. And the people on my team talk about it all the time. And we're so excited when people use it. And we do see certain times of year when there's a disaster, you know, during the first waves of COVID, we saw a lot of health related, mm-hmm. pandemic related gifts. We saw a lot of gifts um, around age, racial equity uh, in 2020 and on. Um, you see, you know, gifts to Haiti. You, you see these spikes. We see a lot of generosity on Giving Tuesday, which is a day that we've celebrated and loved being a partner in that movement. And then you, we do see a push at the end of year, be just because, you know, using that end of year deadline that, we're, you know, I need to give before right. we push into into 2022. So we'll see a a spike on at the last day of 2021, but I still want more people to do it. And I know I sometimes though, and also you have, I assume you see this too, that some people use their match, but they don't use their full match because they're minimums. Like I think for us, it's, you have to give a gift of $10 to get the match, but they might use part of the money that's allocated to them, not all of them. I, for the record, always use all of it because I just, Mm -hmm. I want people to use this program. So do you have any tips or guidance for companies that are out there that want to boost their matching gift percentage? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of like the the corporations themselves that want to boost their employee giving, um, I would say, obviously, of course, making sure your employees know about it. So education, the first piece, but then really taking any additional guesswork out of the process. You know, it's easy, like when maybe you're onboarding employees, like in like an HR handbook to be like, hey, we have a matching gift program. You know, that's kind of Sure, that's crossing off the step of education, but that's not making it really easy for an employee to have that top of mind, for them to be thinking about that, you know, a year later if there is a disaster that strikes or something like that. So 
I think making sure that it's kind of something that's talked about regularly. And then also if there are parameters, like you mentioned, minimums, maximums, different causes that you donate to, you know, the more question marks you leave there, the less likely that an employee is going to think like, oh, I should donate to this cause and submit a matching gift request. If there's any kind of like, I don't know if they'd be willing to match this. I don't know if this mm-hmm. falls within their guidelines. That's going to really discourage people from taking the extra step to submit a matching gift request. Yeah. Trying to remove the friction or the barriers. Of course. So yeah. I know um, we talk about this a lot, pretty much you know, anytime we we as a company make a disaster gift, which is something which, which I um, help advise on and do if we give a gift to support um, Haiti or the pandemic or racial equity or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, we'll send out a note to the company saying we're really, you know, humbled to have to give into this. And if you want to give, it's your choice, but use your matching gift, choose whoever you right. want, but use your matching gift, use your matching gift. But we have new people coming in and, you know, a, a workplace is very dynamic. So in our onboarding, we actually have talked about, you learn so much, like the first two days you work at a company, it gets all stuffed in your brain or any organization. You can't, it's like it leaks out. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't remember it. And so we've actually set up a a session that happens so many weeks out after someone starts and we introduce them to the technology that we use and we give them an opportunity that we fund to help give to something, to get them into the system, to show them the power of the system and to allow them to trigger a matching gift. And we talk about it as corporate dollars making your gift go further Um, and just almost like teaching them, but then not just telling them, but engaging them in doing it so that they'll keep doing it. Cause right. we want to beat when we talk about building agents of good, we want them, you know, wherever they are in their lives, whether they stay with us for their whole careers and they move on, you know, whatever they do, we want them to be generous and to engage mm-hmm. in the world. We just think it makes a better world. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great strategy to walk through people, um, walk through that process for people and really show them that you want them to create this matching gift request, that you want them to take that step there. That's awesome. And how easy it is. It's just, I think sometimes the terminology stick, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know what that is. I don't understand it. And it's real. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, there's, here's a little technical tidbit about matching gifts. Um, In the U.S., obviously you have to give to an organization that is, is vetted. It's approved. It has to be, you know, a charitable organization. So you can't just give to something and say, oh, I know it's charitable when it's not proven. So there's a vetting process. And so sometimes in the system there, your organization will be listed, but it's not checked off as approved. And that all that means is you got to say, please get my organization approved and we'll get it approved and then we'll get the gift to it. But that can be a barrier. But, you know, organizations file their 990s and they're doing all the things that are part of their fiscal health. And that's just protecting the donor that they're giving to a vetted authentic organization. Mm-hmm. No, it just, yeah. but it, it can seem like, oh my gosh, they're saying I can't give to this. It's like, no, 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 check the <laughs> box. We'll get it. Yeah. Group. It's intimidating. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they don't know how to kind of get around that barrier for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have one other question for you. So anything, any other wisdom or guidance about promoting matching gift programs, anything unique you've seen, what, what guidance, you know, with all these organizations you work with, um, what would you love everybody to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that from the fundraiser standpoint, you know, like from a a nonprofit or an educational institution standpoint, um, engaging donors like during the giving process or like right when they're about to give is a great way to encourage people to submit matching gift requests. So like having spots on your website of like more ways to give pages or like within the donation form flow. And then, of course, like in terms of with with companies with things like that, of just making sure that it goes beyond just an initial hiring and kind of onboarding situation, that it's something that's touched upon throughout employment. 
um, to encourage people to submit those matching gift requests. Yeah. So it's, this really is a message for the company who, mm-hmm. that has employees, which is largely what we've been talking about from that perspective today for us to say, hey, Blackboard people, please use your matching gift. And we're going to teach you how to use the technology to, to request it. And then you have the nonprofit side of a nonprofit really being active and saying, hey, Rachel, you just gave to us. Does your company have a matching gift program? Have you thought about requesting a matching gift? And the employee, the person, the donor has to be the one to trigger that gift. It can't be the nonprofit. So, you know, the the nonprofits over here saying, please think of us. And we did a study many, many years ago. My, My former colleague, Chuck Longfield, did a study. And if someone chooses an organization to receive the matching gift, if I give to animal rights organization and I say, I would like you to match my gift, that's an indicator of passion, that I have a high passion for that cause. So the fact that I tied a matching gift to it should indicate to the organization that's receiving that gift that I really care about that cause. If Mm -hmm. I don't match, then it indicates that I, I might give to them, but it's not as high an indicator. So the organization receiving the gift should say, Rachel really cares about animal welfare we should note that about her because she might be a better donor over time. So that's kind of a tidbit on the nonprofit side of how wonderful it is when they get a matching gift. And it's almost like this extra special thing about the donor that gave to them. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a great kind of engagement gauge to see where the the donor's head is at. You know, are they willing to take this extra step um, to give more money to an organization? It's kind of a, a good way to Put a little test out there for that. Yeah, it's fine. And I'll give you one other little random tidbit about another indicator of passion is if an organiz- if a donor calls an organization on the phone or emails them and says, hey, my address changed. Here's mm. my new address. Will you change my address in the database? If they do that, that means that they really care about you because they want you to know where they went. So it's funny how like typically that's just seen as an administrative thing. But it's actually a really high indicator of passion. So you should actually keep track of, oh, Rachel cared enough to call and tell us she's moving. That means she actually really does care about us. And I don't know, put some note on our record that says that she really cares about us. So isn't that cool? It's like these little things are really cool. That's awesome. So uh, final question for you, um, Julia. So if, if people who are listening to this want to learn more, is there a place that they can go, a website or a resource that they can use so that they, whether they're on the nonprofit side or the company side, they can learn more about matching gifts? Yeah, definitely. You can head over to doublethedonation.com. We have a ton of different resources, exactly what you said, for both companies and for fundraisers alike. So we have a lot of different blog posts. We have downloadable eBooks, um, really just a bunch of different tips and tricks and resources to, to make sure you can have a successful corporate giving program. Well, it's been so great to have you with us today, Julia. Again, this has been Julia Beltron, who is the Partnership Specialist from Double the Donation. Wonderful to be here with you. Thanks for your guidance. Yeah, thank you so much. So happy to be here. And to the listening audience, thank you again for joining us for another episode of SG Engage podcast. I hope you enjoyed um, our conversation today, and I hope you're listening to the other podcasts available at SG Engage. You can get them wherever you consume your podcasts uh, of whatever variety. Uh, So I hope that um, this has been helpful and inspirational to you. And this is Rachel Hutchison signing off.